if you have your Bibles, we are going to be in 1 Peter this morning. We will also look in Hebrews for a second, but this morning we're going to be in 1 Peter. And I added a few verses this morning, so it does say 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, and Hebrews 5, 11 through 14, which is where we will primarily be. But I did add a few, um, so when it comes up, it'll be on 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. And the reason that I wanted to go back a little bit is we had to rush through the end of it last time, but also this plays directly into chapter 2. And if you, if you think about uh, the Bible, the Bible was written by many people in many, over many, many years, and even the, uh, the end of the Bible was written almost 2,000 years ago. So that was a long time ago, before English was even a language, before America was ever thought of, many, many years before that. And so um, we have this incredible tapestry of how God has moved throughout history and throughout time up to the time of Jesus and his followers that came directly after him. We have this incredible word that God himself breathed out, inspired, and I'm quoting scripture there. And it is um, exactly what he desired for us to have, that even 2,000 years later, this word is still alive and active and speaks to us, and and it it makes a difference. It matters. The, The word of God matters. And so it's important sometimes to remember that chapters and verses were put in much later. And this is one of those moments where it matters because what we're going to read in chapter 2 is a direct um, continuation of what was said at the end of chapter 1. And what was said at the end of chapter 1 is connected to what was said before that. And so that's why I choose to go through God's Word verse by verse at different times because I do believe that it is the most effective way for those of you who can be here most Sundays uh, to take in the Word of God in its fullness and to learn it and to study in it, to study, to studying it, that, that's not right, to study it. And so I encourage you to, to really pay attention to the Word of God this morning, but to take it in daily. It is our daily bread. We are to, to rely on it daily. We are to chew on it daily. Um, how many of you remember, I know this is going to be so many of you, but how many of you remember the uh, movie, The Great Outdoors? Anybody remember? I think, who was it? Dan Aykroyd and John Candy. Thank you for whoever helped me out there. Yeah, you've seen it. That's right. Um, so there's this part in the movie where they go to this place where if you eat the whole steak, you get it for free. But the steak is like bigger than a plate. It's humongous. And he eats it, and I'm not going to talk about what happens afterwards, but he's miserable, okay? And so if you go to God's Word and you think that you have to take it all in immediately, right now, and I've got to get all of it in me, and I've got to know everything, then that, hey, thank you for your zeal. Um, But we can't know it all immediately. We have to take it in a bite at a time, a piece at a time, slowly. We need to think on it, let it simmer, digest it, really pay attention to what it's saying, 
and do it. We have to obey it. And if you have the Word of God without obedience, then how does that make what you have any better than, than the person who doesn't have it? We are to obey God's Word. And so with that said, verse 23, in talking about the brevity of life, it also talks about the importance of God. For all flesh, sorry, that's 24, 23, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. So our salvation is forever, as 1 Peter 1 talks about a lot, through the living and abiding word of God. So it's God's word, and God is the word, according to John 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And so through Jesus, through the truth that he has passed down, on us, down to us through his word, through the generations, um, verse 23 says, through the living and abiding word of God, that's how we've been born again. And then look at verse 24. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls. So we all, all of our flesh, all of our lives on this earth are temporary. But, verse 25, the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. This word was the good news that was preached to you. Many of you, before I even say a word of a sermon, many of you already know enough of the Word to live a beautiful, bright, shining life for Jesus Christ for the rest of your life. If you have hidden His Word in your heart, that cannot be taken away from you. It's there. For those of you who have a relationship with Jesus, many of you have been reading God's Word and hearing sermons week after week after week after week after week. And that is good. You should not stop doing that. But we fall into the danger of not applying what we have learned. And that can be dangerous. And that is no good. And that's going to take us right in to chapter 2. So in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, it's going to talk about obedience, right? The Word saved us, so let's obey God. Let's obey what the Word says. And this obedience... This um, relationship to the Word is not to take away all of our fun, right? As, as a teenager, I can remember my mom having rules, and I thought that her purpose on, in, in life was to prevent me from having any fun. And I can remember if, if it looked like rain, I could not go out with my friends. I'm sure she used that as an excuse to keep me safe a time or two. But I can remember honestly, genuinely, in the depths of my heart, Truly believing that my mom existed to keep me from having fun. Did anybody else ever feel that way about your parents? Michael said amen. I don't know why. Um, we'll talk later. Anyway, uh, it, is, it is important to see things from my mom's perspective, right? We, uh, she raised three boys, and we had a tendency to find trouble every once in a while, and she had to have rules in place, not just for our well-being and like so that we would be these upstanding adults one day. She had to have rules in place so we wouldn't kill ourselves or other people, and so rules are there to keep us safe, especially 
perfect rules like the ones given from God himself. None of us go up a mountain one time going to Texas to see the Pettits, some of our friends, um, we didn't know which way to go. So, you know, you can go down 71, you can go like through the mountains and then head south in Oklahoma, or you can just go through the mountains. I don't know the road numbers yet, Um, but we went through the mountains one time. And when we were up there, and there's some pretty steep drops, uh, I never once said, why did they put these guardrails up here? I was, thank you for those guardrails, and it was foggy and a little rainy, and I was just thankful for those guardrails that they were there in case we got too close to the edge. And God's rules are like guardrails. They're there for our good. They're not there to harm us. They're not there to keep us from having fun. They're there for our good, and we have to remember that. So here are some rules that God gives us, and they're for our good. And I think with these specific rules, it's going to be very easy for us to see how this can cause conflict within the local church, how this can cause people who are not in the local church to to continue to want to be outside of the local church. If we are to disobey these rules, then why would someone want to be a part of a group like ours? And so it's important for us to remember that when God gives rules, he has a reason, and it's for our good, it's for our safety, and it's for his glory. So let's read this. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. So put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. It makes sense that we should put away these things, right? Should we hate one another? No. Could that cause division? Could hatred cause division? Of course. It's a silly question, right? We're to put away all deceit. How many of you trust liars? That's a kind of a trick question, right? Because we're all liars. We've all lied. But you know what I mean. People who you don't know if what they're saying is true or not because their word has failed so many times because they stretched the truth or just, you know, that's a nice way of saying they lie. So we're to put away all deceit. And hypocrisy, no one likes a hypocrite. If you ask, now, I do think that a large part of this is just people making excuses, but I think there's truth also. If you ask someone, the average person, a few years ago, I'm not sure if this is still true of today, but I think it is, um, to, to list three reasons why they don't attend church, one of them is going to be Because the people there are hypocrites. Well, we can only be hypocrites if we claim to be something we're not. If we claim to be sinners, saved by grace, then we can't be accused of being hypocrites. Because we're not pretending to be perfect. We're not pretending to have it all together. We need to be real. We need to be true. We don't need to say one thing and do another. I, I, I have known people like this in my life. I have been like this at certain points in my life. We cannot be hypocrites. No one is going to want what we call a relationship with God. No one is going to want what we proclaim if we proclaim truth with our tongue and with the same tongue, we're lying. 
we're being malicious. We're being fake. So put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy. And envy. If, if someone else, if God has blessed someone, and all we can do is be jealous of the blessings that God has given that person, then can't you see how it would be old to be around that jealous person, that envious person? It causes division. So we have to be careful to put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and all, sl- all envy and all slander. There are some people who live to gossip and put down other people. There are some people who live to tell lies about other people. And maybe there's a seed of truth in their lie, and so it makes them feel better. But here in one verse, we're told many things that we are to not do if we are Christians, if we have been born again, if the power of the Word has been made evident in our life and we are followers of Jesus. Then we are to put away these things. And it's so easy just to read a verse. This is one verse in a sea of verses in this entire huge Bible. I mean, look at all the verses. This is just one. It's so easy to read it and then keep moving and not apply it. But let's... If we want to be the type of church that God has called us to be, and if we want to be the type of Christians that God has called us to be, then we are to put away all malice, all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. And so my question to you is, do any of these stick out in your life right now? Or have any of these things occurred in your past and you never asked forgiveness from God or from the people that you acted this way toward? What if someone saw you being a hypocrite and you have forgotten that time, but they never have? Your apology, you asking for forgiveness for your actions, might be the thing that shows them that 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 was a moment, that the message you have is true, that was a moment, and that you should be living for God, that they should be living for God. So put away all those things. Verse 2, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. And some um, translations say of the word, pure spiritual milk of the word. And and in the original languages, in the original manuscripts, the oldest ones we have, um, of the word is not there, but it is definitely talking about the word. That's why I went back to chapter 1, so that if like the English Standard Version, it chooses not to say of the word, um, if it just translates it directly, then you should know that this is talking about the pure spiritual milk of the word, of the truth that we just read in the previous verses. Because remember, there was no division of verses and chapters. This kept flowing like a letter. And so, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk of the word, that by it you may grow up into salvation. How do we grow up? Now, remember, I want to make clear here for those of you who haven't been here. Salvation, if we profess our faith in Jesus Christ and and it's true, it's true faith and we love him and 
he, we ask him to forgive us and to save us, then he saves us in that moment. And salvation is complete in a sense that if something were to happen to us in that moment, then we would get to spend an eternity with God. Our salvation is sealed. Um, but salvation is in three parts. There's that salvation. There's the salvation of God making us more and more like him while we're still on earth. In the midst of sin, in the midst of suffering, God is transforming us into his image. And then the completion of salvation will be heaven when we don't have to worry about pain and suffering and sickness and all that. And so when it says that by it you may grow up into salvation, it's saying that so that we can become more like him, so that we can become into, he can transform us into his image. And how does he do that? Through his word. And if you are not taking in his word and living out his word, then you are not going to be transformed into his image. And there are lots of people who have been in church their whole life, their entire life, and still are not mature in Christ because they have not been taking in his word and living out his word. And so we are to crave his word like it is spiritual milk. Verse 3 if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, if you really do have salvation. If you really do have salvation, put away all malice. Put away those things mentioned in verse 1. And if you really are a Christian, then take in the pure spiritual milk. Long for it. Take it in. Live it out so that we can grow up into who God created us and saved us to be. And so I want us to close by, by going to Hebrews. So you could turn with me to Hebrews chapter 5 is where we're going to start. Verse 11, and we're just going to read a few verses here and, and close with this. About this, we have much to say. Now before, I have much to say, but I only have five minutes left, so I'm, I'm not going to be able to say everything. But what I do want to say is, is that in the previous passage we were looking at, Peter is clearly saying that spiritual milk is a good thing. We should long for it, and we should long to, to, to be in God's Word. And he's, he's comparing um, God's Word to spiritual milk. And here, the writer of Hebrews is comparing milk. It's, it's not necessarily a bad thing. But it's not used in the exact same way as 1 Peter chapter 2. Here, milk is used as something that you should desire as a baby, but you should desire the meat later. And so if you want to make a comparison between the two passages, which we're doing, then you need to understand that the spiritual milk mentioned in 1 Peter is just a hunger and longing for God's word. It's not talking about baby food versus adult food, okay? It was all positive. In Hebrews, there's a little bit of negative, if you'll read with me. About this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. So the writer of Hebrews is just laying it on them here and saying, I, I've got a lot to say about what we've been talking about, but it's hard because you've become dull of hearing. You, you, you've heard so many sermons. You've, heard, you've read so many scriptures. You've been to church so many times that you've become dull of hearing. Verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. 
Now here, this is used as a put-down a little bit because baby Christians, new converts to Christianity, people who have recently been saved, they need milk, right? It's like that big steak I was talking about earlier. You can't take it all in yet. You're not ready for it. You need milk. But as you grow in Christ, you should grow to deeper truths, to deeper things, and not just what you know, but how you live. You should be living out the basic tenets of our faith. When you first become a Christian, you should be striving to love. You should be striving to not kill people, you know, important first steps of Christianity. But as you have followed him longer, then you should be willing to sacrifice anything and everything for the glory of God, whatever he desires, wherever he calls you, you should be willing to do it for his honor, for his glory, for the love that you have for him. And so you should move from milk to solid food. Verse 13, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good and evil. So how do we mature? By taking in milk, by taking in solid food, by growing in Christ and taking in his word and by practicing his word. In this case, it uses discernment. Trained by constant practice to distinguish good and evil. And then one more verse over in chapter 6. Sorry, two more verses. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. Let us not live in malice, going back to 1 Peter. Let us not live in malice. Let us not live in slander. Let us not live in hypocrisy and all those things that we mentioned there in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Let us move on into maturity, not laying again, back here in Hebrews 6, uh, chapter 6, verse 1, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instructions about washing, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. He's saying, let's not go back to the basic principles of how you get saved and how you get baptized. To people who should be teaching others Christ, let us not go back to the things that new people who are either about to become followers of Jesus or have just become followers of Jesus are learning about. Let us grow up. Let us move forward. Let us move on. And so my question to you in our closing this morning is, is where are you spiritually? How long have you been a Christian? Does the number of years that you have been a Christian, are you at a place in spirit of spiritual maturity that is comparable to the length of time that you have been a Christian? Have you been growing in Christ? Have you been maturing in Him? Does your life look more like Jesus than it did when you became a Christian? If not, something needs to change. And you need to spend time with God right now, this morning. For some of you, maybe you have been maturing. And maybe now it's time for you to teach others. Maybe what you've learned and the things that you've learned, you should go tell others about Jesus so that they can get saved. And then we can begin teaching them about the basic doctrines, the basic teachings of the Bible. So that they can grow up and teach others. We're to go make disciples who make disciples who make disciples until we reach the world for Christ. But if we go and make disciples and they become baby Christians and they take in the word and they take in the word and they take in the word but they don't live it out. There's no maturity. There's no growth. It's just 
stunted us sitting back and getting lazy and fat on the word. No spiritual exercise, no working off what we've taken in, working out what we've taken in. That leads to churches that are willing to come and listen to a sermon on Sunday morning or sit in their living room and listen to a sermon on Sunday morning, but they don't look a whole lot like Jesus. And we don't want to be that church. I'm not saying we are. But we don't want to be that person, and we don't want to be that church. We want to take in the pure spiritual milk. And as we grow, meat of God's Word. We want to long for more. And as we're taking it in, and as we're longing for more of God, we're living out what we do know. We're living out what He has taught us so that we can be like Him. You notice that uh, back in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, it's saying, don't do these things. It's not just about taking in God's Word. It's about doing and not doing. We are to not do evil. We are to do good. We are to not do things that go against God's word. We are to do what his word teaches us and tells us. And we are to remember that his word is for our good. It is the guardrail that leads us along life. It is the thing that helps us to grow and mature and be the people that God has created us to be. And I don't know about you, but I personally get sick and tired of all the times in my life when I take in his word and fail to live it out accordingly. Let's not do that. How is God speaking to you this morning? Where are you spiritually? Maybe you need to get saved this morning. Maybe you need, you're a Christian and you're, you're um, not a baby anymore and it's time for you to start leading others. If you want to know how to start leading others, come talk to me. I'll help you get into that. And for those of you who are in here who are already Christians, who are already leading others, don't grow weary. And make sure that you haven't forsaken your first love. Make sure that it's not just about being a good teacher or being, knowing more about what God's Word says. Make sure that you're becoming imitators of God, that you're doing what He has called you to do, not just knowing what He has called us to know. Let us pray this morning. You respond to God in whatever way He's leading. Lord, we love you. And I just pray that as we have looked at your word and studied your word this morning, I pray that you would challenge us and convict us and help us to live out your word. God, I pray that we wouldn't just take in your word and do nothing with it. I pray that we couldn't sit in our seats right now, that you would convict us and fill us with zeal and passion for your word to have to live it out. Lord, and if we don't know where to start, I pray that we would be, wouldn't be too prideful to get help. And God, I just pray that you would speak to each one of us in whatever way that you desire. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.